you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Good morning, Lifeway. It's time to stand up and fight. Again, this is week number four, and I want to invite you to take your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and listen, they are still printing Bibles. This may be new to you, but they are still printing Bibles. There's a printed version, and uh, it's available. (laughs) You can get it off of Amazon. You can order them. They're good. And so it's good to have one on your device. I love, I'm I'm a gadget guy myself, but sometimes it's good to feel paper. So Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to pray. But before we do, I, want, I just want to say uh, happy Independence Day coming up on Thursday. Remember that freedom is not free. That Jesus paid a price for our spiritual freedom. And those who went before us in our country paid a price for our freedom to worship God. Established, the United States of America was established as a nation to worship God. And so we need to celebrate, celebrate uh, our spiritual heritage, celebrate uh, the heritage of our nation, and be safe as we celebrate. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for bringing us to this place and speaking to us by your spirit. Father, we purpose in our heart right now to open our ears, our spiritual ears, And our heart to receive all that you have for us. We want a download from the Holy Spirit this morning. So that it changes the way that we live. The way that we speak. The way that we see things. The way that we talk. The way that we make choices. We want to be transformed by the power of your word. And so we're sitting on the edge of our seat this morning. Hungry for your word so that it makes a difference in our lives. Thank you for giving us this download by the Spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Week number four. Ephesians chapter six and verse 10 says this. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might or in his mighty power. And I want to pause right there. As we're reading this passage of scripture, I'm going to pause and make a few points here to kind of reiterate because I believe that it's worth repeating. Think about this series that we're doing as your induction into the military. Some people get born again. Some people believe in Jesus. Some people say yes to Jesus and begin to follow Jesus. But they're never told that we're in a war. They're never told that we have weapons. They're never told that they have an enemy. And so 40%, I believe this to be true, that 40% of the Christians today that are living on this earth don't even acknowledge that there is an enemy. That's, that's pretty amazing. Now, if you came into Christianity through the door of, 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 of the full gospel, if you've, if you've been taught the strong word of God since the time you were born again, that's pro- 
pretty hard to believe. But if you come in another way and you see the church and all those that believe in Jesus, you can, you can imagine that 40% of the church don't even acknowledge that we have an enemy. Think about that. If you signed up for the military and, and, and you're uh, accepted, they check you out before they accept you, but you're accepted, the, one of the first things they teach you is you're in, about your enemy, who your enemy is. What he looks like, what uniform he wears, what airplane he flies, what weapons they have, right? There's an induction into, a, into the military. They send you off to boot camp. Now, I wasn't in the military. I'm in the Army of God, but I wasn't in the United States military. But I can imagine, and I've heard stories. My grandfather was. He had a Purple Heart. He served in World War II. And, um, you know, God blessed those that served. But the first thing they do is they take you into their world. They teach you how to think. They bring everything down to a basic level. That's why it's called basic training. Right? They teach you about your weapon. They teach you that you're going to get up on time. You're not going to argue with your commanding officer. You have a drill instructor. And that drill instructor says, this is what we're going to do. And the next day they wake up and the drill instructor says, this is what we're going to do. It's the same thing, right? Those that are in the military or were in the military. It's the same thing. And there's one scripture in, in the New Testament that Paul says, you know, it doesn't bother me that I'm telling you the same thing. Because we need to be told over and over the same thing. So I know that what I'm saying this morning, some of it is going to be the same thing. But we're going to get to some parts probably that you, that you were unaware of. The first point is our strength versus God's strength. Now, if you're looking at the notes, you can, go, you can find them if you have your device. And you can go to lifeway.church forward slash 6-30-19. That's where you can find the notes. But our strength versus God's strength. Because here in this verse it says, in the power of his might. To, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might means to set our own strength down. Because here's the truth. Our strength is no match for the enemy. <laughs> you cannot fight the enemy in your own strength. You will not win fighting the enemy in your own strength. In fact, it, it's so, our dependency upon Jesus is so emphatic that Jesus said, You can do nothing without me. Nothing of any significance. Nothing of any strength. And, and a couple of weeks ago when we were speaking to the dads, you know, I brought up uh, Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and take courage. Be strong and take courage. Be strong and take courage. Four times in that first chapter, be strong and take courage. And, and what God was saying to Joshua, don't be strong in your own strength. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. This is what Paul is saying here to the Ephesian church, but is also saying it to the Decula church in 2019. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind because we're weak without Jesus. We're weak without Jesus. Even David had to put on the strength of God to defeat Goliath. You know, Saul had this idea, this strategy to defeat Goliath. Here, just wear my armor. It'll fit. Even if it doesn't fit, put it on. David said, I don't have any use for that. The Lord was with me to kill the lion and the bear 
And the tigers and oh my, no. Lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> no. <laughs> God was with David. David had a sling. He had a rock. It was, it was tested, weapons, tested. But he also had the anointing or the strength or the power or the grace of God on him. But there was something that he had to do. Okay? So in the first part of this verse, there's something we have to do. We have to lay down our strength to pick up God's strength. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. The strategies. You better believe that the enemy has a plan and he is patiently waiting to execute that plan. The devil waits and waits and waits and waits. Listen, he has nothing but time. Time is ticking out. But he is focused. He is more determined than most Christians are. Most Christians, a little, they, they experience a little hot water, a little, a little trial, and they're ready to turn around. And the devil will take advantage. He is, he is roaring as a lion. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse uh, 8 and 9, it says, Be sober, or it means wake up. Be vigilant. That means watch out. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, he may devour. That, doesn't, that means that he doesn't devour everybody, right? Resist him. That's the key. We have, to re, we have to recognize that he's coming after us and resist him. Same language here in Ephesians chapter 6. Stand. When you've done all to stand, stand with the full armor on. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Are steadfast holding your shield of faith up. Knowing that the same sufferings that are experienced by you. Listen, the devil comes against everyone. That's what this, this verse is saying. Don't think that it's strange that the devil's coming against you. We have an enemy. And he's walking around seeking whom he may devour. And he will patiently wait for you. So be aware of this. Don't be deceived. His plan is to destroy our connection to God through sin, shame, guilt, and condemnation. His purpose is to keep people from God and the ones that belong to God to cut them off from the supply line. That's a strategy of war. You find out where the, the, your enemy is getting their supply from and then cut the supply line. This is a strategy of the enemy. Just, just, just put that Christian to sleep spiritually. Just put them to sleep. Don't let them wake up in the morning and have fellowship with God. Just, just whisper in their ear when the alarm goes off. Oh, just push the snooze button. Push the snooze button. You got more time. You had a, you had a late night last night. You're tired. You need the rest. Don't get up. Don't pray. Don't read the word. Shh, everything's going to be all right. After all, you prayed and, and the Lord's going to take care of you. Come on. We think that because we pray for the Lord to defend us, and we were just singing this, that there's no requirement on our part. Oh, the Lord defends me. The Lord defends me. The Lord defends me. There's nothing required on my part. 
If, if this was true, then David would have said, Lord, I believe that, that I can defeat Goliath. And he just goes out and stands and says, okay, Lord, defeat him. <laughs> right? No, he, ha- he was required to do something. We're required to do something. There's, our, there's strategies that the devil uses. He's using heavily against this generation addiction. He gets them addicted. Gets, gets them addicted to the device. They can't put it down. The parents don't say no. The young people are like, well, I bought this. I pay with it for, with my money. But listen, if you're under my roof, then we go by my rules. Right? And I, I promise you that the guys that spoke over here at Forward had had to confront this addiction to the device. Right? Is that true? Yes, true, 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 true. Because if the devil knows that if he can get young ones addicted to the device and tantalize them with all these games and all of these Snapchat and all of the communication apps and everything else, then he can get them paying attention more to that than they are to God. Right? And then uh, drugs are not such a big deal. Because they can get addicted to drugs that quick. And that's the plan of the enemy. Right? He gets them too addicted, addicted to this thing. Just a little game. It's just a, but it's just a game. Let me play. Let me play. Let me play. I've got to play my game. I've got to play my game. But can you set that down for two days and not play games? Because the devil wants to get... Now, there's some older people. This is not just a young person problem. There's, young, there's older people that are, that are connected to Facebook and can't put it down. They can't go one day without Facebook. Oh, but, 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 but I've got to check on my friends. I've got to make sure they're alive. <laughs> How am I going to know all my friends are still alive if, if I don't check Facebook? You know, there's old folks that wake up reading the obituaries to see if any of their friends die. Come on now. What are you addicted to? Because it's a distraction from the enemy. It's a strategy of the enemy to get you to bigger problems. Drugs, alcohol, medication, meds. I'll just call the doctor and have them refill and refill and refill, and I'll double up on them. Okay. All right. See how that works for you. In, the enemy loves to use this strategy of addiction to ruin people's lives. And, and his whole purpose, the result that he wants is to pull you off and move you away from God and kill you. So, this is why we're going over and over and over this armor that we have, that God provided, the armor. Week one, we talked about the belt of truth. The belt of truth is the thing that you put on before anything else. It is the first, first part of the armor, and you cinch it tight. You put, you, we don't want any baggy drawers in the kingdom of God. No pants hanging, hanging pants down to the ground. Pull your pants up. Put that belt of truth around them, because that belt holds up everything else. Right? The second week, or the third week, really, we, we, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Pastor Sheila talked about righteousness and our right standing, how God has made us right with him. And when we find out who we are in Christ, it acts as a breastplate to, to cover our vital organs, 
to cover our heart and our, our midsection. Because if the enemy can throw a spear, and if we don't have our shield up and it hits us here, you can be killed immediately, right? So the breastplate is important. Today we're going to be talking about the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. But listen, we need to know that we have a spiritual enemy. We are fighting a spiritual war. And it must be won with spiritual weapons and spiritual strategies. You cannot fight the devil with your flesh. You're not intelligent enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have enough money to fight the enemy in the flesh. We are called to spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. And sad to say, but in the past, people have, have really pushed this spiritual warfare to the extreme and stirred up a lot of questions and confusion. And that's why we have to reiterate from time to time, what is true spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is standing against the enemy. For yourself taking your shield of faith, and then when others need your help, you come alongside of them, help them put their armor on, and, and stand beside them and lock shields together. I'm with you. I've got your back. We're going to fight back to back. We got this. The Lord, one can put a 1,000, two can put 10,000, and the Lord has joined us together for such a time as this. We resist the devil, and he must flee. This is a spiritual war. We have to recognize that people, listen, we don't need to abandon each other in, time, in tough times, in times where we're being tested and tried and when the enemy's coming against us. We need each other even more. And so God has given us this armor. But listen, all of the supernatural armor in the universe won't do any good if you don't put on every piece. That's why we're taking the time to focus on every piece because every piece is necessary. And when you know the value of something, then you're going to be intentional about using it. Back to the illustration of the device. Remember the first time that you received a smartphone? Probably the phone was smarter than you. I say that because, in some, in some respects, because it did things that you didn't know it did, right? Is that true? Everybody in here. This phone does things that I still don't even know that it does. And I don't care to know. It does what I need it to do, and that's enough for me. Right? <laughs> My job in life is not to figure out how much this phone does. It's great. It serves the purpose, right? But how many of us have, have bought things or we have things, uh, maybe cars or even refrigerators now, that they do things you don't even know what they do. I have a dishwasher at the house. I don't even know how to run it. I have to say to my wife, I put all the dishes in there. Now you come and turn it on because I don't know how to push the buttons. I, I'm, I may blow up if I touch it. I don't know. But don't you have things that you, you don't know how to use, right? <laughs> well, we have to invest time in to discovering the capabilities of the armor that we have. And the armor of God is always tied to the Word of God. The armor is a spiritual thing, and it's tied to the Word. Now, one of my favorite characters is Iron Man. And I'm going to show you a clip from an Iron Man movie, one of my favorite clips. When Iron Man, I won't tell you. 
You have to watch it. Okay. You got to watch it. Villagers who have been forced to take shelter in whatever crude dwellings they can find in the ruins of other villages or here in the remnants of an old Soviet smelting plant. Recent violence has been attributed to a group of foreign fighters referred to by locals as the Ten Rings. As you can see, these men are heavily armed and on a mission, a mission that could prove fatal to anyone who stands in their way. With no political will or international pressure, there's very little hope for these refugees. Around me, a woman begging for news on her husband who was kidnapped by insurgents, either forced to join their militia very little hope for these refugees. Refugees who can only wonder who, if anyone, will help. Isn't that awesome? Watching that video, I think that I think that I'm in that armor. Hey. Wow. Yeah, the armor. Tony Stark. Now there's some online debates, and I'm not gonna get into the debates, but they think some some people think that Tony Stark created forty different versions of the armor. And they're debating on which one was the most powerful. So if you're a Tony Stark fan and you want to get in on that, but you, you can research the, the, the capabilities. And, and in the movie, he, he has to, you know, he's talking to the armor and he's figuring out what it does while he's wearing it. It's like us. We have this supernatural armor and we have to figure out. We have to spend time and invest time into seeing what it does and, and how it can, uh, you know, thwart an attack from the enemy. But listen, the armor of the, the reality is the armor of God that he gave us is much more powerful, much more powerful than anything that anybody can come up with in their mind. All of these superhero movies and all of the power that you see exploding on screen and all the CGI and all of this, God's power is so much greater. So much greater. So, think about and the, the, the intensity and the increase of all of the war movies 
Why is it that we will pay money to go watch something that's not even really real? But watching war, people say, you know, war is hell and we, you know, make love, not war. I mean, all of these phrases, right? Why do we go and pay money to watch war? Because we want to see the victory. And God has put within us that desire to win, to see the good win, right? Love uh, rejoices when truth wins, right? And so God has put it within us to win and win big. And he gave us the armor to do it. We have to discover what is in our armor. That's why we have to spend time in, in God's manual for our life. We're in a war and we didn't ask for it. We were born into it. And it's not something that you can pray away or something that you can ignore. Every Christian has what it takes to overcome the enemy and be victorious every day. But we have to do two things. Number one, we have to recognize that God has given us his armor. And then number two, we have to put it on. We have to put it on. Tony Stark would not become Iron Man without putting on Iron Man's armor. Right? God made this armor for us, but he can't put it on for you. We were in Bible school some years ago, and we had an instructor that helped us to put on God's armor every day when we came in his class. And to our mind, here we are, 20, 22, 22 years old, and come in the class, and he would have us stand up, and okay, everybody, let's go through it, put on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, our helmet, we put on our helmet of salvation, and we take the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, and we were quoting it, and the whole time you're going through your mind, this is so elementary, this is like something they do in kindergarten, but he did it all year long, all that, that whole class, that whole semester, over and over and over and over and over and over. Wow. There's something to be said about that. Repetition. Some of our prayers for help to God should be and are being answered from him. Use the armor that I've given you. The problem most of the time is that we don't remember we have it. Or we don't know how to properly use it. And we just need help. Listen, it's not wrong to ask for help. Find somebody that is a strong believer in your life and ask them to help you in, in your daily resisting of evil. You know, Jesus said that we should pray that God deliver us from evil. But that deliverance from evil is, put, is, is all about putting on the armor and resisting and standing against the enemy. So, don't fight barefooted. Soldiers are taught to take care of their weapons and their shoes. Because shoes are important in battle. Right? You don't want broken down shoes in battle. They take care of their shoes. They have, they have different shoes for different purposes, but they're, they're dress shoes. They're dress blues or whatever, the uniform that they shine and shine and shine and shine, and you better see a reflection. They're t being taught 
to, to be intentional about the care of their equipment and their uniform and their shoes. Shoes are very important in our life. You know, you can be a soldier carrying the most deadly weapon, but the shoes that the soldier's wearing are carrying the soldier. So without shoes or the right type of shoes, you can't even show up to the right place and use the weapon. Think about a marksman that knows how to shoot, you know, the eye of a mosquito 300 yards away. If he can't get to that place where he needs to shoot, that's pretty sad. He's not going to be there to, to, to shoot. So the shoes are extremely extremely important and it's the peace of God that carries us as we fight the battle the peace of God carries us the peace of God talking about the expert marksmen they're trained not only to take their rifle apart but to put it back together in the dark in all different types of conditions but then as they're firing and they're sighting in their target. They're taught to get to a place of peace so that it, they're calm because even the slightest breath, if you're shooting at something 300 yards away and you make a slight move, you're off target. So they're taught as they're taught to be marksmen to get to that place of peace. I think that's important that we in the battle get to a place of peace. God has given us the shoes of peace. And peace is so important in battle so that we're able to hear our commander and do what our commander says to do. Because if you do what you think you should do in the heat of the battle, you may get your head blown off. So the connection to peace in the battle is so important. These shoes of peace are so important that we put on the shoes of peace so that we're able to hear our commander and do what he says. There's, there's chaos in battle. And when the enemy is coming at you from every side, when we wake up in the morning, he's coming at us from every side. He is, his, his, his strategy is to confuse us so that we make the wrong choice. But if we walk in the peace of God and we shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we have that calm assurance that we hear the voice of our commander so that we can do what God wants us to do and not do what we think we should do. The Roman shoes, we have a slide of that. It's caliga, caliga, that's the term for it. I think it may be a Latin term or... Caliga, the Roman hobnail boots. This is what Paul was seeing when he wrote about the, the preparation of, of the gospel of peace shoes. These Roman boots uh, that the Roman, Roman army used called Caliga, they were highly practical and durable to ensure that they were suitable for the long marches re required by the soldiers. The secret of the success of these shoes was by adding the hobnails to the design. The hobnails were iron nails which were nailed through the soles of the shoes to keep this boot together and to prevent the soles of the boots from wearing out. 
these hobnails were placed all around the edge of the sole in the, in the design of the shoe and on the surface of the, of the sole. So it provided traction. But the Romans were, were very uh, expert leather craftsmen. And they could take leather. See, because you, you needed a, a comfortable enough boot or shoe to go long distances because you didn't want blisters, right? But they needed to be rugged enough because if you're going over terrain and, and boulders and such, you need them to be rugged. They ha- also had to have traction on them. So this is what Paul is seeing when he's writing about these shoes. These shoes, there's purposes of these shoes. But I want to play Would You Rather. Would You Rather. Anybody know about Would You Rather? Would You Rather. Would You Rather. Would You Rather. If you were going into war... Would you rather wear these or would you rather wear these? How many would rather, if you're going into war, you'd rather wear these? Nobody. Nobody. Come on. How many of you would rather, if you're going into battle, would rather wear these? Right? Now, difference between men and women. I've tested this out for 32 years now. Women like to look good at the cost of comfort. They don't care if they're comfortable as long as they look good. It's true. All the women gave an amen. The men are like practical the wives say, are you going out of the house with those on? The guys are like, hey, my feet are covered. You know, hey, there's no holes in the bottom. I think we're good. But they don't even match with, your, with what you're wearing. Who cares, right? <laughs> would you rather? Would you rather? Shoes are made with a purpose. Number one, to protect our feet. Shoes protect our feet. Shoes help us to walk in dangerous places. They help us walk in dangerous places. There was a time that as a young, as a young kid, I, growing up on, on St. Simon's Island, Island, so most of the time we could go barefoot, and I love to go barefoot. And so growing up, I would go barefoot, ride my bike, go down to the park. One time, though, I was barefoot, and I was walking through some brush and stepped on a nail, and it went through my foot, and it was rusty. And I got back on my bicycle. It was hurting, and the blood was pouring from my foot. And I got on my bicycle and pedaled about a mile up to my house. And the whole way, there was blood on the street. Got to my house. And back in those days, we, they probably still do a tetanus shot, te- tetanus shot today. I had to go get a tetanus shot. But here's something that reminded me 
of the pain that I felt for being barefoot that day. Every time I would go down that road, I would identify those blood spots <laughs> because they didn't wash off, guys, right? I stabbed my foot. There was pain there. So shoes protect our feet. They protect our feet. Listen, when you're in the fire, it's not the time to be barefoot. And how many days are you in the fire? Like every day? Like every day? That's, that would be a no-brainer, right? Every day we're in the fire. And so the Lord gives us his peace so that we're protected. Protected. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 say this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So the peace that the Lord is telling us to put on protects us. But notice in this verse that there's something that we do and then there's something that the peace of God does. If we don't pray and we just worry about it, or we post it all over Facebook or call all of our, all of our friends and tell them about our problems and we never pray about it, then the peace of God can't protect us. And so we, we have to put on, put on, purposely put on these war boots of peace. The war boots of peace because they protect us. The second thing about these war boots is they, they provide stability. They provide stability. When you take a hit, and you will take a hit, nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say that, that we're not going to be uh, tested by the enemy. In fact, the Word of God says that when Jesus was anointed, he came up out of the River Jordan, he went to the wilderness to be tested. There was, there was spiritual warfare that was going on for 40 days in the wilderness. When the enemy was testing Jesus. So when we take a hit, these war boots of peace provide stability. You know, this, uh, not so much. <laughs> right? Would you rather? Which peaceful boots would you rather put on? We're going to take a hit, and we're going to travel on rugged terrain. We're going to travel over some boulders, and we're going to lose our footing if we don't have on adequate shoes. You know, our life is filled with uneven surfaces, things we didn't plan on, things that face us. The enemy rolls a boulder in our way. What are you, what are you going to do? You're going to sit down or turn around and go home? No, we're going to put on our war boots of peace and go over. Some things we have to go around, some things we go over, some things we go through. But this armor that God has provided us causes us to win every day because we're in a place, again, peace brings us in a place where we can hear the voice of our commander and do what he tells us to do. We have to properly 
lace them, they have to properly fit. We have to properly lace them up so that we can stand. They keep us from falling down. They're flexible enough to move with our foot, but rugged enough to handle the rugged terrain. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14 say this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Today is the evil day. This means the day that, that the enemy has access to the earth. Having done all to stand, stand. You understand that there was no punctuation in, in the Bible here. Like, like we punctuate things and we uh, put verse uh, numbers. Numbering and punctuation was added by man. But what Paul was saying, when you've done all to stand, stand. You can only stand with something stable. God's peace keeps us stable. When the world is freaking out, God's peace keeps us stable. We may not have the answer at that moment, but we can say, God is with me and he will show me. God is with me and he will show me. God is with me and he will show me. He is my defense and I, and I, I, I will not fall and I will not fear. Yes, Number three, our shoes, the shoes that God provides, gives us traction to move. Traction to move. That's why they put the hob, hobnails on the, the Roman soldier sandals. They didn't make them slick because you need that traction because you're going forward. Right? Would you rather try to run in these forward? Or would you rather the war boots of peace forward, forward march? I never heard him say for, rear march or backward. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe they have a backward march. No, forward. God created us to go forward. Peace, peace. Get this, guys. Peace causes our minds to be focused. So that we can move forward. God created us to move forward. Philippians 3.13 and 14 says. Brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is, which is behind. And straining forward. To what is ahead. I press on forward. Or toward the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. And sometimes we do move out and we take the offensive. We run to the battle. We're not waiting for the enemy on, in a defensive mode. We, the Lord says he has the strategies. Again, if we're walking in his peace, we're able to hear the commander and do what he tells us to do. So, John 14, 27. Jesus gives us a gift. This is out of the NIV version. His gift is his peace to us. Jesus said this. As he's preparing, think about the situation where Jesus says what he says about peace. He's, Jesus has been in a war all of his earthly life. 
When he was born, Herod was out to kill the babies. He's been in a war. He's been oppressed by the enemy all of his earthly life. And now he's going to the cross for us. And he's going to bear the whole weight of sin for us. And he turns to his disciples and said, All of this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So the the phrase, do not let your heart be troubled, and neither be afraid is an emphatic command. It's not a suggestion. Well, try not to be worried or anxious. No. If Jesus has given us his peace, we put on his peace, we can say no to fear. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. I will be in peace. I am in peace. And I will not be troubled. My heart is not troubled. And I will not be afraid. Now, peace is not the absence of problems. Because Jesus was, was, he was facing death at this point. But this is the thing that kept him stable during this time. Was the shalom, the peace that he was wearing. Peace is the stability that we need to walk through this daily chaos, fear and worry. People are looking for peace all over the world. And the world can't guarantee peace. You can, you can do yoga 20 hours a day. You can pop all the pills, the peace pills, all day long. And still not be at peace. Jesus is the one who brings peace. He's the one who gave us peace. Jesus faced a storm on the boat one day. And he said, peace, be still. He was walking across the water and he said, peace, be still. You have to have it in you before you can release it. Right? That was something uh, when I was studying about Tony Stark's Uh, armor his armor was in him there was a couple couple of movies where it just came came from within him and just took took him over that was one version of his armor right he it was in him and he activated it with his words now I'm not a big Marvel guru but in that Isn't that awesome? Interesting. We activate the peace of God with our words. We have to have it before we can release it. But Galatians 5 says what? That the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Right? So peace is part of the fruit of the Spirit. I like to really use the word forces. The forces of the Spirit. Because fruit kind of sounds fruity. <laughs> but if it's the forces of the Spirit, I can, really, I can see that. I'm releasing peace. Like these movies. Uh, th- listen, these movies have nothing on us. 
as superhuman people, supernatural people, with the supernatural armor and supernatural power of God. In any situation, at any time, I can say, and I believe what I say, I'm releasing the peace of God here. And the peace of God can take over the situation. And I can hear the voice of the commander telling me what to do. Don't step there, step back. Step to the right. Say this, do this. Don't do this. But we have to be surrounded by his peace. We have to have these war boots of peace on. We have to put them on. Put them on. I'm not sure what you're dealing with today. But I know this, that we're all dealing with something. Because the enemy is working overtime. He's working overtime to tempt us, to test us, to push us. And these young people received a download from God. Over these past three days, the enemy, the Bible says, Jesus said, the, the captain of the host, our commander said, when the word of God is sown into us, the enemy comes immediately to try to steal that. So that we're all dealing with something today. But I want to invite us at the end of the service right now to stand up and we're going to put on the armor of God. The devil doesn't like this, and your mind's going, oh, this is, so element, this is so elementary. This is like kindergarten. No. No. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. We're going to put on the armor. This is practical Christianity right here. This is Word of God 101. He gave us the armor, and we're putting it on. Now, mine may look like Tony Stark. <laughs> so if I start lifting off the platform, you'll know. <laughs> but you can imagine. I mean, if, if, if it helps you to close your eyes and imagine. Listen, this is a supernatural exercise. We're exercising our faith in the armor that our Father provided for us. The enemy has... Nothing even close to the armor that God provides. But we have to put it on, guys. We have to put it on. We have to know its capabilities, hold up our shield, grab our sword. We have to activate it with our mouth. Activate it with our mouth. We have to remain in that place of peace so that we can hear the voice of our Father. Say, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Are you hearing me? Father, right now, we thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.